I invite you to turn, please, for our scripture reading to John's Gospel and chapter 8. John chapter 8, and we're breaking in at verse 21 of the chapter. John 8 and 21. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he saith unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true. I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, Many believed on him. Then Jesus, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Amen. May the Lord bless these verses to our hearts for his name's sake. John chapter 8, and a few thoughts from the, the verse 36 of the chapter. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. With God's word open before us, let's just unite our hearts for a moment in prayer, please. And do pray that the Lord would come speak to your heart. I, even those watching in, whether now or later on, 
pray the Lord would have a word for your heart. Our Father, we thank Thee we can seek Thy face. Lord, when we consider our utter unworthiness, our sinfulness, our tendencies to always do the wrong thing, to live for those things that pertain to the flesh and to this world, and all too often neglecting that which is the, of the most importance, the, the, the need of the soul, that part of our being that will never cease to be. My Lord, how it must grieve thee to see thy mercy being spurned, people rejecting the Christ of God, the one who left the splendor of heaven and gave us life, shed his precious life's blood on that cruel cross in order to purchase eternal life for us. In order, we can't understand what we know. It's just human nature not to want the Son of God. And many tonight are held in the grips of sin. Maybe some, maybe some would love to be set free, but they, they just can't seem to get away from those things. Something has a hold upon that dear soul. Though we thank thee, we, we can come to one tonight who breaks the power of cancelled sin, sets the prisoner free. Our prayer would be, Lord, as we look at, into thy word, that thou wilt come and speak to such. Speak to any, Lord, who, if they'll just admit it, are in bondage. But we pray that thou wilt turn their gaze heavenward, though that we might behold Christ. Thank thee, Lord, for his triumphant work at Calvary. He was able to say concerning the work of our redemption, it is finished, the work is done. And we thank thee that not only has he conquered sin, but he has conquered death as well. And we thank the Lord the tomb is empty tonight. And our beloved Savior sits at the Father's right hand. Oh, we're glad he's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Come now, Lord, hide man out of sight. Cause us to hear thy speaking voice, and we pray that thou wilt reveal thyself to any who are ensnared by Satan tonight. Give that gracious, perfect deliverance, and grant that souls might go on their way rejoicing, and the knowledge of sins forgiven, and the assurance in their hearts that it is well with their soul. Blessed to this end we ask of thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Liberty is one of our most esteemed temporal blessings. Freedom from foreign dominion. A free constitution. Free trade. Freedom of speech. Free press. Civil and religious liberty. These things are important in our everyday living. But having said that, I'm sure you're more than aware that these very things are very much under threat in the day in which we live. We're living in a world that is in a mess. Over the years, many people have paid the ultimate sacrifice to see their fellow countrymen gain freedom 
freedom from slavery or from some crippling regime where people were forced to suffer undue hardship. And some would yet sacrifice life and fortune to maintain those causes that are dear to them. Yet, and it's all boiled down in, in some instances, some who see themselves as free are, are no better than born slaves for the simple reason they are ignorant of what true liberty really is. It's only the Christian who's walking with God who can honestly say he has found real freedom. Only those whom the Son of God makes free from absolute, uh, they, they know absolute perfect liberty. Jesus saves of sin enslaves. To be free in the truest sense of the word is to know deliverance from the guilt and power of inbred sin. Now, getting people to own up to the fact that there is sin at all in their hearts, sometimes that's the biggest hurdle. But beloved, God's word makes it very plain. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. So we, we can't run away and hide and, and say, well, that, that's for somebody else, not for me. Only Christ can set any soul free from the awful consequences of sin. And he has purchased that deliverance for us through the shedding of his own life's blood. How many today are held in the bondage of unbelief? Oh, they've heard the gospel. They know that Christ saves sinners. They've seen other people saved. They've maybe heard testimonies of how the Lord has delivered men and women from their sins. But because of unbelief in their own hearts, they can't seem to bring themselves to put their trust personally in Christ. And so they are held in the bondage of unbelief. Or maybe for some, it's the guilt of past sins. Maybe it's doubt. How many are afraid to, to trust Christ for salvation because they, they, they fear, well, this Christianity, it, it must be a, a life of regulations, of do's and don'ts. No, it's not. Paul puts it in Romans 8, 33, 34 like this. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? The believer is freed. Freed from the power of sin by the grace of the Spirit of Christ. Sin no longer has dominion over him. Yet, some, aye, some believers are in bondage to a lack of assurance. They haven't got the victory over the old man within. The beloved, God's redeemed people are renewed. They're regenerated. They're converted. They're enabled by grace to mortify the old man within. They're no longer held captive to Satan. And to sin. This, this glorious freedom is the portion of all those that trust in Christ for refuge for the soul. It's a lasting portion for a man who, who enters into the joy of it. And, and he enters the joy of it the moment he trusts Christ. And he'll enjoy it forever. He, even death can't take it away from him. In fact, death only succeeds in taking the soul of the saint of God into a fuller measure of that liberty and freedom.
And of course, the grave won't hold the body any longer than a little season. Then it'll have to surrender it up. So, resurrection day, the believer will come to experience the ultimate and glorious liberty. Without God's freedom, all other liberties are worthless. Free speech, free laws, political, commercial freedom, none of these things can soothe the person when he's lying on his deathbed. Nor can it disarm death of its sting or give peace to a troubled conscience. Nothing can do it but the freedom that Christ alone can give. So while people may talk of being free, it's very evident across the nations of the earth, multitudes today are in bondage. Scores of thousands are already slaves to alcohol, to drugs, to greed, to lust, to pride, to selfishness, and any of a thousand other tyrants that that keep the mind and the will in bondage. How do we know? Because the Lord Jesus says here in verse 34 of this chapter, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the word servant there is from the Greek word doulos, which means slave. Every sinner is a slave. And only Christ can set the slave free. Well, it's, it's the hardest thing to admit to. Tonight, beloved, you are either a servant of Christ or a slave of Satan. There's no neutral ground. It's either one or the other. The question is, which is it for you? You can't argue with, oh, I'm my own boss. No, you're not. And we can prove it. If you think you are a free agent, you can do what you like. You're not saved. You're enjoying, or you think you're enjoying, some particular brand of sin. Here's a challenge for you. If you think you're a free agent, step out now and walk away from that sin. Can't do it, can you? Because Satan has a grip of you and won't let go. If you'll trust Christ to deliver you, call upon his name, he'll set you free. But again, I emphasize, there's no middle ground. You're either with Christ or you're with Satan. As we come to this text, there are three things I want to notice concerning this liberty. Firstly, this liberty is possible. Verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And that if suggests right away that there's hope here. The Jews loved to boast that they were never in bondage to, to any man, but their foolish pride was binding them to the facts. They were in bondage to the Egyptians in the days of Moses. They were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And even at this point in time, they were under subjection to the Romans. But the Lord Jesus went on to show them that they were yet in a far worse state of confinement, for they were always, they, they were slaves to Satan and to sin. But according to this word, and this is God's inerrant word on the matter, if the Son therefore shall make you free, he shall be free indeed. So no matter who you are, what you are, where you've been, 
what you may or may not have done, irrespective of how many years you may have been hooked into sin, Christ, the great liberator, is able to set you free. That's the glorious hope of the gospel. He is able to save them to the uttermost. Come unto God by him. Now, if your problem would happen to be guilt over things that you've done or said in the past or something you've left undone, Christ is able to set you free from that guilt. And isn't it so that guilt is a very heavy burden to have to carry around with you? The leopard can't change its spots, nor the Ethiopian the color of his skin. But there is cleansing to be had through the blood of Christ for every stain of sin. First John 1 and 7 assures us that that is so. No sin that you've ever committed need keep you out of heaven. Now, one sin, of course, is enough to keep you out of heaven. But it doesn't have to because there is cleansing for you if you'll have it. Why is it? I often wonder, I often ask myself, why is it that the one thing that man needs most, needs more than anything in this life, is the one thing he doesn't want? Deliverance from sin and from its penalty. Why is that? I mean, even if you have gone to the very edge of perdition, the arm of grace can still reach you there and bring you back. God's able. Your tongue may be totally polluted with blasphemy. Your mind may be a cesspool of impurity. You may have a, a, a wicked temper. You may be full of hatred even of the things of God, but the grace of God can still reach you, even where you are and bring you deliverance from these things. There is freedom to be had from the guilt of sin. But you may ask, well, is there then deliverance from the punishment of sin? Is it possible that the righteous judge of all the earth can allow a rebellious sinner to escape? Since God is just and must punish sin, how can I escape his wrath? Can I possibly have the same blissful reward as the righteous? And beloved, this, again, this is the glad hope of the gospel, that Christ has borne God's wrath for you. By receiving by faith his free pardon, you can know your sins blotted out. He has satisfied the demands of the law by his dying in your place. Apparently, there used to be a dam in a place called Folly Domain. It's in Armagh. I don't know if it's still there, but it was many years ago. Back in March of 1905, a young girl fell into that dam and she was out walking. She was the niece of a solicitor, Thomas Kilpatrick. Her governess was with her. The governess immediately jumped into the dam to try and save the young lady. And, well, neither of them could swim. But Ellen Taggart, another lady, she was close by and heard the screams of, of these two in distress. And she plunged in and succeeded in rescuing both of them. But she was so exhausted herself, she drowned. 
She was a young woman, only 23, left a husband and two young children. The Glasgow Herald, of all papers, carried the story, 4th of March, 1905, what it called the, the Irish heroine who gave her life to save others. Beloved, it's just a picture of Christ. He gave his life as a ransom to save those who were held in the grips of sin. You see, a man can't set himself free from the bondage of sin. Only Christ can do it. People don't seem to realize God is alive. All sin is against God. God must deal with sin or he wouldn't be God. But since all sin is against him, can we then escape the punishment that is due for sins? Yes, you can. If you lay your sins upon Christ. God is just, so he, he can't demand payment twice. And what about the, the power of sin? Can you be saved from that? Praise the Lord, you can. Revelation 12, 10 and 11 speaks of the redeemed in heaven. We're told that John heard a loud voice uh, saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Deliverance sin. I wonder is there one in our hearing tonight and if you're honest with yourself you're in bondage to sin. I don't don't know what the sin is. You know. God knows. You're in bondage to that thing and you can't get away from it. Well here's the answer. Christ and Christ alone can deliver you from it. See, the thing is, if you're not delivered from it, then you'll have to endure eternal wrath. You don't want that. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And doesn't this remove the fear of death itself? You trust in Christ to save you? You can face anything, even death. He'll both save you and keep you. The Lord never saved anybody yet. And then lost them. I give unto them eternal life, he said, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You'll be able to face that last great enemy of the soul with this confidence. The Son has made me free. Therefore, there are no charges any longer against me. Isn't that a comfortable position to be in? How does it come about? The Son of God. Is the only one can set you free. And you see it, beloved. You cast yourself upon him. Upon his... <laughs> Don't struggle trying to save yourself by good efforts. It will not work. There must be multitudes of people in this province. And they're depending on living a good life as they see it. Being good to their neighbors and all the rest. Giving money to charity and doing this, that and the other. Yes, we commend them for what they do. It's not going to save them. It's never going to break the chains of sin. Only Christ can deliver. Well, thank God this liberty is possible. 
But there's another thought here, and that is false liberty. Something we need to be aware of. It's a wonderful truth that the Christian is no longer under the condemnation of the law, but he's under grace. Now, again, this is, this is a truth that is sometimes misunderstood. People are known to take this truth and use it as a liberty to sin. And that's a grievous mistake. Just because the believer isn't under the law to the extent of condemnation, nevertheless, he's still obliged to keep God's law and not to flaunt it. I mean, you can't be saved and then live as you please. Anybody who does that is just a hypocrite and isn't good advertising for Christianity. You have find, when you find a, a professing believer indulging in the same sins he participated in before his supposed conversion, it immediately puts a big question mark over his claim to salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If he's a new creature, then he can't remain the same as he was before. There has to be a change. This is one of the greatest evidences that a person is born again. Everything about him changes for the better. Heard of a man, I'm sure you've probably heard the story. He used to drive a donkey and cart. Always a man who had a vile temper. Uh, and he, he couldn't just tell the donkey to giddy up. No, he would holler abuse at it in, in the vilest tones and, well... Even giving the, that poor beast the simplest instruction, he roared his head off at the poor donkey. But then that man got saved. And when he did, next time he got into the cart after he was saved, he spoke in tender tones to the animal. And it wouldn't move. And he coaxed it. He tried to budge it, but nothing doing. And he realized the donkey was so used being shouted at didn't understand him when he spoke kindly to it. He'd become a new creature, but of course the donkey didn't know anything about that. And he ended up, he had to shout at it to get it to go. Someone has said that God forms man, sin deforms man, school informs him, but only Christ can transform him. There's another form of liberty that needs to be avoided, and that is what, we, what may be termed notional professional freedom. That's found in those who depend upon their own brand of religiosity. The church attender, the, the one who participates in the, the various activities of the church, but who has never actually, never truly been born again of the Spirit of God. And sadly, there are many who sit where God's people sit. They listen to the same preaching that God's people listen to. They sing the same songs of Zion that the believers are singing. They follow the same ritualistic lifestyle their forefathers followed. But beware, beloved, beware hereditary religion. A man can't hand down his salvation to his descendants. Ye must be born again, individually, personally. 
There has to be a personal going up out of Egypt and a crossing over Jordan into Canaan. I've lost count of the number of people who have boasted their, their membership in a certain church. It was good enough for my great-grandfather. It was good enough for my grandparents. It was good enough for my parents. It'll do me. And they're depending on that for, for heaven. They may boast they're, they're good living, and a, a lot of people are good living. I wish a lot, more, a lot more people were. But good living isn't salvation. Good living never did and never will take anybody to heaven. And the number of men and women out there that, that open their eyes in surprise and a lost eternity must be staggering. We feel for them. But they're held in bondage to maybe some tradition. And they need to be liberated and set free from it. They have their, they, they, they've lived for their own amusement. They've enjoyed all the things this world could offer. May have been good to their families and all the rest, but except they're born again, they are not ready for heaven. You know, a lot of people live with the idea that everybody just drifts off to heaven when they die. How many times have you heard somebody saying, oh, so-and-so passed away, but I know they're up there now watching down on me. If they didn't die in Christ, they're not up there watching down. If one's confidence is in self, then it's misplaced. People need to stop and look hard at where they're going. You, beloved, if you're not saved tonight, you need to take stock of where you're going. What are you depending on for eternity? You only get one chance at this life, and you need to get it right. Or else it'll be all for nothing. And the only way to get it right is to repent. People don't like talking about repentance these days, do they don't? Want to hold on to their sin? Want a heaven where they're allowed to take their sin with them? Not going to happen. Repent and believe the gospel, the scripture says. The only way to do that is to flee to Christ for refuge. Men are not at liberty to indulge in all manner of sin. There are consequences to sin. Serious consequences. Because it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you eternity. In that awful place called hell. And eternity is forever. Our finite minds can't begin to even contemplate what is forever. We are, we are governed by time. But in eternity, time doesn't pass. We get a few years in this life, and then death, then eternity. This life is short. You can get a man who who lives to be a hundred, he'll tell you life's short. But eternity? Hundreds and hundreds and more hundreds of years, and there'll be no change. It'll just go on forever. We can't begin to take that in. But isn't it everything to be ready? Ishmael was the son of Abraham by Hagar. Hagar was a bondwoman, and that made Ishmael a slave. He was never free. Oh, he, he, he was Abraham's son after the flesh. He sat at the same table as Isaac, 
enjoyed the same merriment, but he was never a child of promise like Isaac was. The lad even mocked Isaac when he, because he was younger. He was violent toward Isaac, but he was still a slave after the flesh. But what came of it? The day came when he and his mother had to be turned out of the home. He must go and abide in the wilderness. He couldn't enjoy the rights of the son of promise. He didn't get to enjoy the liberty of being the son of promise. And that's what happens to that soul who isn't saved. There was a custom observed among the Greeks and Romans that when when a man died, if he left any slaves, they went to they went as, as a heritage to the elder son. The son then had the, the option of keep, keeping them on as slaves or setting them free. No questions were asked. It was entirely the choice of the elder son what would happen to those slaves. On occasions, a son would hold on to some of the slaves, maybe set others free, but it was noted that when the son set a man free, he was free indeed to go and do whatever he wished. Beloved, Christ Jesus is the son and heir of all things. And if he sets you free, then you are free indeed, which leads us to our closing consideration, the freedom that comes to us through the Son of God. Freedom can only be had when the sinner comes takes Christ to be his all in all. Good works, good will, praying, fasting, all means nothing if you don't trust Christ. But remember what it is we come to Christ for. Liberty. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We've said sin brings bondage. Christ sets a man free from bondage. This is why it makes sense to come to Christ whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. The law is on Christ's side. When he sets a man free, there's nobody can compel him to go back to the old life of sin. He's been delivered from it. He can't be charged with any offenses. The debt has been paid. He's free to go. Go where? Go and enjoy the Lord who has delivered him. He's been loosed from the devil's hold on him. The chains are broken and the sinner is liberated to walk in newness of life. Only Christ has the right to declare any man free because he has paid the debt that we owed for our sin. That's what it is to be saved. He breaks the power of cancelled sin. He sets the prisoner free. He yielded up his own liberty to the dungeon of death when he lay in Joseph's tomb. He paid dearly for our freedom, yet he gives it to us free of charge. And it doesn't matter to what depths a man may have sunk. Thank God the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Out of the love of his own heart, Christ has bought and paid for our freedom. And he did it in spite of our condition. We could never begin to deserve it. But we have it. We can have it as a gift from God. Would it not be most discourteous to refuse it? Not only is this liberty free, but it can be received in an instant. 
I've never been inside McGabbery Prison. I've been close to it, but I've never actually been in it. Can you imagine a prisoner being released? You picture him, the cell door opens. He's brought out and he, he hears the click in the lock as it's closed behind him. He'll come down the corridor. I don't know how many gates they may have to come through. And the sound of every gate closing behind him again must be music to his ears. We eventually get to the, the governor's office. And uh, the necessary documents will be taken care of. And maybe there are more doors and gates. But finally he gets to the outside one. And he's free. He's out and the door clicks behind him. There must be a great sense of relief at, at, at the prospect. He's not going back in there. But when it comes to Christ setting a sinner free from the prison house of sin, there's no prolonged walk down corridors. There's no gate after gate to, to open and close. The moment he's free, he's as free as a bird. He may come to Christ as a slave in bondage to sin, but the instant he trusts Christ for salvation, he's liberated to enjoy a life of freedom he's never known before. Now, he's not free to go back to sin. That would be foolish. He's free to enjoy the Lord. And if you should fear, beloved, that there's, there's no hope for your soul, then think again. Too many have been delivered from the chains not to know the reality of the experience. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Ask that man who has been delivered from the chains of alcohol addiction for years. Ask him what it was like the night Jesus saved him. And he'll tell you that it was like the chains fell off. A great burden was lifted from off his shoulders and he jumped for joy at the release. Charles Wesley put it like this, Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. And the beauty of this liberty is, beloved, once the sinner is released from the prison house of sin, you need never fear having to go back. Freedom is for good. There is, however, one thought you need to bear in mind as we close. If we come to know, you come to know this deliverance from the prison house of sin, and the Savior sets you free, that means you take on a new identity. When you receive Christ as Savior, you become a son of his, son of God by adoption. 1 John 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. No longer do we engage in the slave's activities, or slave's wages, but now serve a new master. You'll do the son's work now and you'll receive a son's reward. And since he sets you free, it stands to reason 
You would want to live in glad anticipation of the day when you meet him, the one who bought your freedom for you. Where does this find you tonight? Have you been liberated from the prison house of sin? Are you enjoying the Lord? Or are you still bound chains and fetters? Be honest with yourself, beloved. Where do you really stand? If you're still bound by some old sinful habit, why not then call upon the name of the Lord? Beg him, open the prison door and let your soul free. For know this, that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Be prepared to finish with sin. And let the Savior set you free and follow him all the way to heaven because he has promised a home and the glory for those who trust in him. Beloved, if you're in some kind of, if something is holding you back this evening, Plead the mercy of the Lord. Know this gracious deliverance. Don't let the devil hold you a day longer. Give yourself to him and know his blessed deliverance. May the Lord bless these thoughts to your heart. Bring you to that place of victory. For you will know the Son has set you free.